This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time for bookends. Kia ora, welcome to bookends with Maren Rush and Ruth Todd. Maren, um, I have read three crime crime novels, first crime novels from three you know, women, women New Zealand writers, um, and they've all been quite amazing this year or just recently in the last few months. And I can see all of them should be in in the um, Naomi Marsh Awards next year, and I'm delighted because they have just appeared. Isn't that great? Mm, mm. And, and this one's Karen Zealus, who's yes. a local writer as yes. well. Yes, and uh, oh, it's fascinating. they've been all been can't get there fast enough to he- hear what's coming next. Mm. Oh well, page turners, I think it's they called. Are, that's the word. Very good. And mine is actually a page turner too, but it's not fiction at all. It's non-fiction. It is, uh, you know, one one of the books I'm going to be recommending to everybody uh, over over the next few months, especially coming up to Christmas. It's um, it's a book about walking into the nights of our terror. After Dark, Walking into the Nights of Aotearoa by Annette Lees is one of the most fascinating and deeply enthralling books that I've read for some time. Annette has uh, been an outdoor natural world enthusiast from her childhood. She has a master's degree in ecology and landscape conservation and she's had a career in that in New Zealand and the tropical Pacific as well as travelling in South America and Africa. Her most recent book is Swim, A Year of Swimming Outdoors in New Zealand, which was longlisted for the 2019 Royal Society Prize of the Ockham Book Awards. And it, it's, um, it's such a treat to talk to you about this book because um, I can imagine everybody that, that um, reads it wants to bombard you with their stories. Yes, well, that's the lovely thing about being a, a storyteller. Um, I mean, the, the whole idea of it is to awaken stories in your listeners and readers. So I'm always thrilled when um, people come and tell me their stories. Uh, when I when I um, when Swim was published, um, I did lots of talks around the country, and I absolutely love people coming up to me later or during the meetings and and telling me their stories of swimming. And now the same thing's happening with people being outside after dark. Yes, I bet. Well, you say a childhood of nights, a long, l- lifelong love of the natural world, an attraction to walking and swimming in moonlight, all combined to make this book inevitable. And I can see that. Tell me about your your early days. I, l- I love the story of your next-door neighbours in Whakatane, Jim and Date. Yes, Jim and Date were a, a lovely couple. They seemed elderly to me when I was a child, but I realised they were probably in their 50s um, when my strongest memories are from them. Um, just those lovely, the perfect neighbours, really, for a child. Um, we were always welcome. We climbed over the stile to their house um, most days. We, whatever the time was, whatever meal it was, they would just accommodate us. Um, and they seemed like um, very 
ordinary but lovely people with leading quite ordinary lives. Um, Jim was actually an accountant for the local, um, what we called the board mills, which was a cardboard producing factory in Fakatani when I was a child. Um, but at night, he was the president of the Astronomical Society, and he had a telescope, one of the first, well, it was the first telescope I'd ever looked through, um, and he bought it and built a little wooden shed for it on his back lawn, right in the middle of the town we were, um, although there were no street lights then uh, on our street, and... Um, and the night that it was installed, we were invited over after dinner when the darkness fell, and I looked through that eyepiece and for the first time in my life saw planets. So that it was a transformational moment for me, and I think part of the magic was that this extraordinary sight to behold was something in a very ordinary place, in the in the backyard of a state house in a small town <laughs> in, in New Zealand. And there you were looking at looking into infinity and marvels and, you know, mysteries and I, I just that 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 just slayed me as a child. Well, you um clearly, you know, that has accompanied you throughout your whole life and not just the work that you do, but you've actively put yourself into the darkness. You've done huge amount, as you say, of walking and swimming outdoors, mm. um, which is all in this book. But I was really interested in the way you structured the book. You followed the night through. Yes. Yeah, it was... I, um, I thought a lot about book structure. I mean, as a writer, people who, who read books possibly don't pay as much attention to structure as writers angst over um, because you feel like you're reading a flow of words you know, and a flow of sentences and paragraphs and chapters but how you organise those um, actually make a very big difference to the reader's experience so I, I actually wrote the book and then discarded it um, because the structure wasn't working I, I, I started off structuring it around the things that I saw or did in the night then I realised that there was a natural passage to the night which is that dusk falls and then people start to come home from work and close the curtains and settle in um, but then you know if you go outside your senses awaken and you start to observe it and then there are people who actually go to work in the night outdoors the people who are studying the animals and plants of the outdoors um, and other night workers and then there's time where people slip outside and go for a walk before they go to bed and and then if you're staying up there's a sort of nightlife that starts to emerge and then there's you can start noticing the lights or the absence of light and then there's times to you know gaze at the stars and the night is deepening all the time until you come to the very darkest and deepest part of the night which as they say is just before dawn and that's the time when there's a lot of religious ceremonies will take place in that time but also when we really if you're awake at that time it's um it can be it can be a peaceful time or a time filled with grief um it's a it's it's a it's a deep part of our it's almost like a soul-filled experience and then of course this, the light starts to come up at dawn and then the day has arrived so that when i when I really I started to think about that, the structure of the book fell into place very quickly, and I, I rewrote it around that. Well, it works incredibly well. Um, it, I had no idea there were all these um, different um, 
descriptions of twilight. <laughs> I mm-hmm. love those now. <laughs> I think I'm going to use those. And then um, it, it, it's enabled you to interweave so much history, mythology, um, mm. tales, you know, lovely tales of, of, of your own and other people's. And um, it, I can't imagine anybody reading this book won't want to drop everything and go outside at night and, <laughs> and be well, in the, the book, night. <laughs> the book will have worked if that happens. Because I, I think that it's, I, I mean, children love the dark. Um, you know, they, you, everyone has those delicious memories of the sweet night air and the excitement and the sense of danger, peril around you and thrilling kind of fear as well as just, just the, the children love that altered, altered world. Um, and midnight feasts and staying up for, for fireworks and all of those things. And then like so many things in life, we, we tend to set them aside as we become busy as adults. And I found the same thing with my book on swimming, outdoor swimming, that adults, if anyone was going to sit on the bank, it would be an adult. And, um, I, I mean, I, it's a shame because, of course, these are free experiences that are right beside us. You don't have to leave the country or even particularly leave town to experience something so transformational and bewitching that is so easily available. You you can you just step outside, and I think that's the um, that's something that I really want to awaken in people because um, we we lead we lead better lives, more fulfilled and happier lives. I think if we expose ourselves to the nat- those easy parts of the natural world that that are just waiting outside. Yes, and goodness, head, headlamps must have made a huge difference to being able to walk in the dark. Well, yeah, <laughs> Although they... you say that, you know, you can walk without those aids you, if you're... You can. Yeah. You can. I mean, you... Um, the thing about headlights now is they're they're extreme, and they boast when you buy them about how how brightly lit they will make your night world, which... Which is great if you have to move quickly at night or do tasks, you know, like you're setting up a tent in the dark. Well, you don't want to do that without light. So they're handy in that sense. But in another way, of course, they defeat the whole purpose (laughs) because the purpose of night, of going out at night, is that you can't see. And therefore, or you you don't think you can see. But if you wait 20 minutes, your eyesight shifts quite markedly over um, from the, the cones, which is the day vision in your eye, to the rods, which notices much more subtle things. And then you become, you have to rely on your other senses, your smell, sense of smell and taste and touch and the feel of the wind on your face and other, you're alert in a way that you never are in the day. And if you've got your torch opening up the light, opening it up, you miss that softness and the uncertainty, which is, I think, some of the magic of night. That's where, where it really comes into play. You listen a lot more closely if you can't see, and you slow down. You can't walk at pace if you haven't got your torch on. Um, but you'll be surprised how much light there is. Even without a moon, um, on a very clear night, the stars cast a light, and it lights up the... It, it brings the landscape to a certain kind of murky kind of awareness, and... Um, when you get your eye in, you can walk. You can walk quite fast at night. I mean, I, 
I've got good at it. I bet. <laughs> and it's not because I'm talented <laughs> in any way. I've just done it a lot. And you can really, when you're out with somebody who's not, um, who is the first time for a while they've been out at night, they really are stumbling around and feeling worried. But um, you can train yourself to, to do better than that. There's, um, I'm just being topical here. There's a, there's a chapter, one of the chapters um, is um, about fireworks because we're coming up to Guy Fawkes Night. So <laughs> that's fascinating. Um, and topical too in that there's a lot about bats, seeing that the you know bird of the year has included bat this year. I know, I know. I um, uh, Of course I have voted for the bats. Cause, um, of I, course um, you have. Yes, I'm thrilled actually. that I mean, it's, It deeply amuses me. I, and I hope people take it in the spirit that it's meant, which is... Um, that it's it's really just to draw attention to things unexpected things that's and and um, that's the whole idea of bird of the year, um, but the bats yeah bats are um, quite um, they, they are creatures of the night they they define it and it is we are so lucky to have bats in New Zealand our two native mammals. Um, and I know you've got some in the Canterbury region um, you don't have I to heard, go too too far yes yeah. I heard yesterday my builder um, told me that he had a friend who's involved in bats and had and they'd found some near Geraldine. Yes they have um, and there could well be more um, the thing about bats is they are cryptic they, because they're out at night um, and most of us are not we can't hear their calling um, although we can a few some of their calls you can but mostly they're silent to us because their sound system is at supersonic level which we can't hear so we they, 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 they turn up in places where people had no idea they were there so um, yeah wherever you are anywhere in New Zealand um, look up and it's just on dusk and um, you might surprise yourself to, um, to be able to to see a bat flicking around, um, feeding on that on the first rise of insects on on nightfall, um, or or borrow or buy a um, a bat detector and sit and listen, and you you can you can hear their calls through a bat detector. Well, I might just get myself one because <laughs> it, there could be some lurking on the edges of Littleton Harbour. I don't know. And, you never know. Uh, you don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Annette, um, for um, writing this book. It's going to be the book that I recommend to absolutely everybody I see. Um, Thank you. Because, I, as I say, I can't imagine anybody would um, would be able to read this and not change their habits um, and not become aware of what wonders the night hold for us. So... Um, what are you What are you looking at now? You've done swimming. You've after dark. What <laughs> <Yeah>. else is? <laughs> um, I'm interested. Well, I've, all my books are connected to people in the natural world, people in nature. I love that interconnectedness. I like the stories of humans doing things in the world as much as I do of the natural world itself. So it'll be something along those lines. Um, I, I, I'm interested. We live on a, a little rural block of land, and its history fascinates me. Like its long geological history, the history of the first Maori that came here, um, the farmers that have owned it before us. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of thinking about how to connect all that together to tell a tale of how we find home in New Zealand. How do we find a sense of place wherever we find ourselves in this country? So. 
I'm exploring those sorts of ideas. But there will be walking, probably swimming, walking around at night, all of those lovely things that, that I like to do. Grand. The book is called After Dark, Walking into the Nights of Aotearoa. It's by Annette Lees and it's published by Potton Burton. You're listening to Bookends on Plains FM 96.9. Karen Zilas is well known as a poet and playwright and she has the skills to write in any genre she chooses. This new work, Resolutions, is a very clever novel which Paddy Richardson, crime novelist, describes as combining the elements of tension, pace, friction and urgency to create create a novel which has the reader turning pages engaging characters and the visual atmosphere, images of the South Island, New Zealand are very evocative. Karen Zilas is the writer, and uh, Karen, how about reading me a little bit? Right, good morning. Uh, Rebecca Eaton is a young woman, lawyer for children in the family courts, and she has been summoned for a luncheon meeting with a senior partner in her law firm. Rebecca pushed through glass swing doors into the cafe. She scanned the muted interior. Damn! Jacqueline Thompson was there before her, seated by the window, gazing out at the street, the willows, the river. Right on time, Rebecca heard herself say. I was in court. Did you win? Winning is not the goal on family court, she gave a theatrical huff. But I did win, she glanced around. The menu, said Jacqueline, I don't have long. You know what this is about, don't you? I'm not sure I do. Jacqueline fixed her with hazel eyes, as if Rebecca were transparent, not a thought safe. It could be one of several things, couldn't it? Rebecca's gaze dropped to the menu. The words a blur. She knows about Trilby. No, impossible. But Jacqueline no doubt had her spies. Suddenly it felt very warm in the cafe. You're an ambitious young woman, said Jacqueline. I work hard. Don't we all? I'm wondering what more you're prepared to do to get ahead. She waved away the wine waiter. We need our order taken, she called after him. I've been with the firm a long time now, said Rebecca. It's a waste of your time and mine telling me what I already know. I'd like to be a partner one day. That's also one of the things I know. Everyone wants to be a partner one day, like growing up to marry a prince in fashion, I see, or a rock star. I'll have a... Chicken panini and a long black, she said to the young woman in black jeans, T-shirt, apron, hair, eyeliner and expression. Fresh from a funeral, are we? Cocking her head. My guest will have the same. We're in a hurry. She leaned closer to Rebecca, her pearls clacking against the edge of the table. What are you willing to do to get what you want? Hard work is one thing. Putting up with me is another I'd like you to be my junior counsel in a case I have pending. Murder. Infanticide, to be exact. Karen Zidas reading from her new book, Resolutions. I 
I loved the differences between... Uh, I've never thought about it, really. I've never thought about the family court being so different from being, uh, you know, a top lawyer and only taking huge, large court cases that were going to make your reputation, uh, you know, broaden or become more, as Jacqueline Thompson is such um, a scary character, really, isn't she? Yes, <laughs> and yes. yet Intimidating, um, I suppose. But throughout the book because Rebecca decides to um, take the case with her yes. and knows that it might be, um, she might have difficulties. Well, Jacqueline told her she would have working together. But it's um, fascinating to me the differences between the two characters. Uh, Rebecca's the protagonist, really. Yes. But Jacqueline's got a very important part to play, hasn't yes. she? Yes, she does. Yeah. Where, where did... Um, where did you decide to do this? Did you decide to have two quite different people in law, one in family court and one in the firm? Yes. Well, I've had some experience myself in my past working life, uh, working in the family court and the criminal courts and seeing some of the differences, really, in, in attitude and goals of individuals. Um, I, I wasn't a, a lawyer. I was a, you know, uh, worked with children and families, and uh, was an expert witness in in the courts. So my perspective was outside of the actual um, legal aspects of of the of the cases. And but it was an opportunity for me, in a way, to be able to integrate my present experience of writing with some of the things that I have learned about people and, and situations um, in the past. And it felt, it felt good to be able to put them together. I'm so glad you did, because it took me back when I was reading it. I thought, nah, I remember talking to you about the Minnie Dean's book oh, yes. and the court case, yes. and you did that superbly. And I just, um, I mean, it's, it was not fiction, really, but it was fiction. Fictionalised. Yes. <laughs> yes, and I thought that, that was, um, I was on your side <laughs> with Minnie Dean's because I come from Southland. But um, I just, um, I liked having this because quite often um, it's only the detective that's a, not, I shouldn't say only the detective, but it's a detective inspector or who's the main character or the protagonist or the person who's um, committed the yes. crime. But it's, it was good seeing these two women, both strong, both ambitious, in different ways. Yes, mm. yes. And I liked that change because I read quite a lot of crime and um, uh-huh. I enjoyed that. But the characters in this book, there are so many, um, quite different, but um, you really made me realise how much... Uh, a family court lawyer has to do or looking after children yes. in the cases and um, Rebecca's very um, busy isn't she but she doesn't give up her uh, I, I imagine Jacqueline or she does sort of doesn't approve of her carrying on with a, a family court case but she insists that she will Yes, and so gradually she becomes stronger and can stand up to Jacqueline Yes, she she does, and 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 these commitments, various commitments, increase the pressure on her, um, which 
so that what starts out to be a relatively small and contained series of um, cases finishes up being uh, rather more complicated and uh, traumatic, some of them. Mm. So um, I liked the idea that you took her across to the West Coast and the West Coast almost became another character, didn't it? It did. Mm. And I, yes, I wanted the environs as much as the people um, to actually express something of what I feel about the coast, I suppose. Yes. No, <laughs> right. and and so all that, you know, those other families, well, the, the case that she's doing with um, Jacqueline is um, a cot death, presumably, um, that the parents are both accused of the, and she's they're doing the defence. I mean, she's yes. a defence lawyer, yes. Jacqueline. Yes, and and it's very black and white about if you're on the defence when Rachel's suggesting that um, she talk to them alone. No, that's Rebecca. quite unnecessary. Rebecca, yeah. sorry, that's yeah. quite unnecessary. Yeah. And I thought surely they do that, but they don't always. Well, you have to remember too that that this is fiction I'm writing. Yes, yes, and, I do. And uh, <laughs> no. you know, not everybody, not every criminal lawyer will be like Jacqueline. But, no, uh, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but again, Rebecca gets her way. Yes, yes. And, She's uh, strong enough to persuade and, her. Yes, and, and, and so that was a her development of her character coming yes. from the beginning of the book. I, the, yes. It was amazing. And okay. um, she had some people who wanted her to be a partner in the firm, which mm. she was keen about. Um, some people didn't. So uh, I was just as interested in the cot as well as being interested in what was going to happen mm-hmm. with Jacqueline's case, yes. her major case, mm-hmm. which she was going to do with her, uh, as um, the ones when she we met the Ruapeka family on mm-hmm. the West Coast and uh, what had happened there with three yes. with children, and um, and then um, they lived in Jacktown out of Greymouth, and then her relationship with her mother appealed yes. to me too because. That had developed. Her father had died two years previously, and yes. when the book opened, so we get little, little touches of the back story on a yes. lot of the characters. You didn't just put it all in one bang; um, <laughs> you drip fed it, and I liked that. Okay. Mm. Was that deliberate, or how do you do that? I mean, it must be difficult when you're wanting to introduce characters, but we need to know a little bit about them what was going yes. on with their lives. Yes. Well, I, I just sort of wanted to reveal the relationship between um, Rebecca and her mother, mm. and that meant revealing some of the things that had happened in the past and then working them into the present. So it was it was, it was a complex weaving process, really. Yes, yes, it was. And... Um, I was satisfied with everything you told me okay. <laughs> about the back stories, you know. And then there was her neighbour, um, Gary oh, Wood. Yes. Yes. He was important to her, fed yes. the cat. Yes. <laughs> she and fed her and in a way. And fed her often, <laughs> yes. Emotionally. Yes, emotionally, yes. certainly. And, um, and then there were the Tillmans um, with three children and yes. she was supporting, Rebecca was supporting Max, the father, because the mother tended to want to keep, was very possessive about the children. Yes. And when he, he wasn't very um, he was, assertive about 
about, no, you know, no. getting there. Yeah. So there were all these wonderful characters. I mean, I could this probably as many again as I haven't <laughs> mentioned, but it just built so beautifully mm. and um, I you know I certainly turned the pages I couldn't stop reading and uh, I think um, when uh, Paddy Richardson said that um, it was um, a literary crime fiction of the best and at its best and I we don't often get crime fiction referred to as literary in New Zealand. No, So I liked that (laughs) she had said that. I did too. So are there more coming up? Because it's very different. Well, I'm hoping so. Yes. Yes, I I have actually started on a sequel. Oh, good. Mm. Because I really like this character and I want to know what happens to her. I hope you're going to follow her. Yes, yes. What she plans to do at the end of the book. That was a surprise, which I can't talk about. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) So very different from your poetry. Oh, yes, yes, it it is. Is it hard to move from one to the other? Um, No, it's it's not hard to move, but I just sort of... um, Get thinking, thinking poetry if I'm writing poetry, yes. and thinking prose if I'm writing poet prose. Mm, of course. So it's difficult to do them both at the same time. Well, um, look for resolutions. A Rebecca Eaton novel. It's published by Pukeko Publications and written by Karen Zivas. And join us, Moran Rout and Ruth Todd, next Tuesday on Bookends on Plains FM 96.9.